Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club, January edition, first episode of 2023. All the girls are here on deck. How's everyone doing today, ladies? Hey. We're darn good, Jax. How are you doing? I'm darn good. So excited to record our first episode of 2023. I think a lot of people join the Redheads in January. It's very much, you know, in line with New Year's resolutions to read more books, join a book club. Here we are. We are so excited to have you. If you are a new Redhead and this is your first episode, welcome. It is never too late to become a Redhead. You haven't missed a thing. And if you're an OG Redhead, welcome back. We missed you. Hope everyone had a wonderful and very happy holiday and a happy new year and is embarking on the new year with their best foot forward. So before we jump into everything book and everything the it girl, I've got to catch up with my girlies. Snatchler, my sister, Margot Ashray, how are you? Wow, I'm good. How are you? Just coming back from a lovely vacation in Belize. And now I'm back at work and I want to die. And that's really it, you know, just was fabulous. And now I'm not. What's your New Year's resolution? To say no to life. Have you spoken to your sister, Claudia? Yeah, I saw her whole thing. No, my New Year's resolution is to just keep doing what I'm doing because I'm crushing it. Wow, I love that for you. I love the confidence. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, gang. Snitch, I'm so jealous of your tan. Um, Thank you. I mean, it's partly fake, but. Well, it looks great. I'm great. I had a really mellow holiday season, but I'm going to St. Thomas next week, which I have like completely forgotten about up until I was talking to my sister and she was like, we're not going next week. Like we're going like on Friday. Like you have got to understand that that's in like two days. And I was like, all right, let's do this. How's fab? Um, do you have good I'm, books picked out? No, I'm honestly excited to like catch up with the girlies and get some good recommendations. Jackie, I know that you posted like a beach Rec's like ask me anything or like submission situation so I'm gonna like tap into that oh yeah that's a good call and we could always give you our best speech rec ideas and that was also a post I don't know if we posted that on the redheads Instagram yet but I've been doing like some you know each of us recommend a beach read book and we should do that in honor of Bex's trip I would love that I honestly am in need um the last time I went on a beach read someone recommended portrait of a mirror which was the last thing that I needed on the beach so I you just didn't like, like it. I started it, but it was like so dense. I like want like something like lighthearted and like sexy, you know? I got do. you, sister. Yes. Got That's you. where the snatch comes has got in. me, sister. Perfect. Love that. Yeah, I'm great. Miss you guys. We miss you, Bex. Bex, I also haven't spoken to you all year, which is crazy. Girl, you have a, a FaceTime date with me I in know. the book. I was thinking that last night. I was doing Redhead stuff, and I was like, I was like, I, I wonder how much Bex. shit I should give Jax. Like, she's so busy, mm-hmm. but like, I need her, so I'm like stuck between a rock and a hard place. No, I know that I owe you a FaceTime, and we will circle back with that later today. Rit, have you tried? Have I tried FaceTiming her? her? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, but oh, now okay. like the ball is firmly in my court. Like I, no, she can't try and call me out. again. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, that's how it works. Dana, how are you doing? I'm great. I actually got the privilege of spending New Year's Eve with Jackson, Florida, and it was everything a girl could want. The sun was out. The boys were running. The nibblings were playing. It was just a gorgeous, fun time. And I can't wait for what 2023 has in store for the Redheads. Yeah, I think 2023 is going to be the year of the Redheads. It's just what I'm feeling like. I mean, the first book of the year, we're off to a great start. I feel like everyone's going to come in this year with really strong choices. And the Redheads are just constantly gaining steam. Like, I don't know if you know, but we have 66,000 followers on Instagram right now. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Just like our little book club making waves. We're so wavy. How are you, Jax? I'm doing well. I... I'm excited to be, I'm probably the only one, but like I'm excited to be back in the routine of the new year. I relaxed extremely hardcore over the last two weeks and I needed some regimen back in my life. So I'm excited to be feeling productive, putting out premium content, connecting with my girlies and and listeners and audience and just, you know, podcast, podcast, podcast. I I support that. Thank you. 
So let's get into this month's book. We read The It Girl by Ruth Ware. This was a thriller. It is set at Oxford University in London. We are following the story and the perspective of Hannah. Each chapter goes back and forth between the before and after. So it's before her roommate April was murdered versus after her roommate April was murdered. We find out very early on that her roommate April was murdered. Now, this happened 10 years ago. Someone has already been sent to jail for the crime, a porter at the college named John Neville, who was definitely creepy throughout the entire book. Mm -hmm. But for all the readers and for the protagonist herself, who is the one whose evidence sent him to jail... There's something that's not adding up. It feels like there's more to the story. He was There was never any DNA of his found at the crime scene. He uh, adamantly denied his role in it until the very end. And the story starts with him dying in prison of natural causes. So it really prompts our protagonist, Hannah, to reassess what she thinks that she knows, especially because there's a lot of news about him. People are trying to do true crime podcasts. And she's starting to get more information about the crime and her roommate and just she's putting puzzle pieces together also Hannah is now married to April her roommate's former boyfriend because they were always like you know had an underlying connection but I think April's death probably brought them closer together and she is pregnant throughout the entire book with April's former boyfriend slash her husband's child so that adds just like a layer of complexity now throughout the book we're getting information about April's death we find out she was pregnant when she dies we find out that she was sleeping with people other than her boyfriend this gives a lot of people a lot of motives to want April dead she's also a huge prankster she's not the nicest person in the world so again gives people a lot of motives to want her dead it's a little extreme she played a prank on you I'm gonna kill her but it is what it is (laughs) Anyways, I think throughout the book, for me at least, like at every turn, I was like, this person did it, that person did it. Like the author was really setting you up to think it was one person and the next person. By the end, Hannah believes that it is her husband who did it. And I think we all kind of do. And she asks him and his reaction is really terrible. And so she runs to seek solace in the arms of their mutual friend from school, also named Hugh, who's the only person who really couldn't have done it because he was essentially with Hannah when they found April dead. Plot twist. It was Hugh. April had been playing a prank on Hannah where she was pretending to be dead and Hugh was in on the prank. But while Hannah went to go get help because she thought her roommate was dead, Hugh actually did kill the roommate. So it's all very crazy, all very unexpected. And I would love to know what everyone thought of the book. Snitch, let's start with you. I loved the book. I thought it was so good. I do have some like issues you guys know I hate when it's like before and after like it's like literally my least favorite plot device but I was able to get past it um however I mean I just thought it was great I love the twist and turns I actually never really thought it was Will because I thought that they were making it too obvious in the beginning that they that they were going to set Will up for it and I was like why would they give it away in the first like 30 mm-hmm. percent um Never thought it was Hugh. Did think it was Emily, but I really thought it was Dr. Myers, like, for the whole time. Yeah, me too. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I like that it was, like, based in college, so it's, like, you get that, like, fun, young aspect of it, but it was, like, also a thriller. Yes, I agree with you. I thought it was, like, everyone. I did think it was Will at certain times because – they spoke really glowingly about Will in the beginning. So I was like, well, maybe he's not that glowing. Like she never really questioned Will. She just like accepted how she felt around him and just like kind of used that to blanket over like any questions she might've had. So I, I thought it was everyone. I thought it was Dr. Myers for sure. I thought it was Will. I didn't think it was Emily so much. I did think it was Hugh, but then I realized that he was with her and that made it kind of not plausible. But when they were describing like his drive for success, I was like, oh, like he's kind of nuts. Like he Mm -hmm. might do something crazy. Uh, So yeah, I thought it was everyone. Um, Bex, what did you think? I'm not going to lie. I didn't really like this book and I thought I would. I know. Shocking. Snitch. I mean, like I went in really liking it and I liked picking it up every time I went to go read so it wasn't that I was just incredibly frustrated throughout the story I thought it dragged on way too long I was I didn't love Hannah as a protagonist I didn't like how like she was in her thoughts 
at all times and like unpacking everything to like an unbearable degree. And it was just like a little unrealistic for me. I thought she was just like, like when she would do like her investigative journalism, I thought she did a terrible job. Like she would go to Ryan's house after not seeing him for 10 years or however long. And it was a two hour train ride and she stayed for literally four minutes and like left in the middle of their conversation. I, I was like, agreed. Oh. She left way too abruptly. She was finally getting answers and then she just left. Like yeah. she couldn't handle it. And it was so frustrating as a reader. I, I, I understand how traumatic this death was for her and the entire circumstance, but honestly she knew April for like seven months. And the fact that this has tortured her for 10 years, I don't want to like belittle anyone's trauma, but I was like, I felt like that was like kind of a lot for me to take on as a reader. I was like, you have got to move on. Like you and your unborn child are not okay. The way that this has taken a chokehold over you. So I was just frustrated as a reader. And while it kept my attention, it was not my favorite. Interesting. I will say, like, in defense, it's not just that her friend was murdered and, like, it was her close friend, but, like, that she was responsible for putting away John Neville. And then Mm -hmm. there was always, like, something, like, niggling at her that was like, well, did he do it? Um, I agree with you. And I think I would have felt more empathy towards that storyline if John Neville wasn't such a freak pervert. And so, like, I was kind of conflicted because I was like, yes, like, you don't want to put anyone away for a crime that they didn't commit, of course. But I, I didn't like John Neville. And I thought he was, like, a bad person. So I was like, ooh, like, I don't know how I feel about this. But I don't, like, feel the the way that, like, so invested the way she does. Yeah, but, like, there's a difference between a bad, creepy person and a murderer. And a bad, creepy person, like, and maybe he was, like, stalking girls, but that carries a different sentence than murder. But I also think that the author made him extremely unlikable so that we wouldn't, like, eat our kishkas out knowing that this man spent 10 years in prison and died in there for nothing because that would also be really unsettling. I agree, but I also think that when she put him away in jail, she thought that he was the murderer, and, like, they all did. So, like, I was like, you can't literally tear your life apart, turn it upside down, and potentially hurt your unborn child over, like, something that you genuinely thought was the right thing. Yeah, I felt like she didn't blame herself too much because she only shared what she – what she knew to be true like I feel like there was no conjecture on her part it's like these are where my experiences with John Neville and he's the only one who left the building in the time like that was the truth and that was all they had to go on so I feel like she didn't blame herself too much but of course like that does carry weight yeah I'm honestly I'm always like the person that's like ignorance is bliss I'm like yeah it carries the weight but like it's over and like he can't get let out anyway so let's move on Yes. Dana, what did you think? Snitch, I actually surprisingly liked this book a lot. Maybe it was because I read all of it in Florida in like the nice uninterrupted sunshine that was contributing to my joy. But I just hand me a story that takes place in a college setting Mm -hmm. and I think you've got me. Like I just am nostalgic for Colgate and anything in that setting like I am automatically on board with. I do tend to hate when it's an unreliable narrator in a mystery. It's like, okay, you told us he was next to you the whole time. It's kind of unfair now that he is the killer because I felt like the reader didn't have the opportunity to guess. But upon reflection, going back, I'm like, okay, but there actually were enough breadcrumbs that a really keen Savanti reader might have put together the pieces. Like, they did continuously repeat how she was the only one that April had not pranked that year. Like, they didn't make it impossible if you were seriously trying to figure it out. So then I changed my tune on that. And I completely agree with you, Jackie. Like, at one point, I thought a bit different person did it with such conviction. I was like, it's a hundred percent Will. It's a hundred percent Emily. It's a hundred percent John Neville. Like I really felt that way. And I think that was a sign of a good book that like, I genuinely could not decide who the killer was. Yeah, I agree. I've never thought about it. Like how you just describe where it's like, is it the author's responsibility to make it possible for you to figure it out? Like even if she didn't leave those breadcrumbs, I guess it just would have made the ending worse if like there was no way you could conceive of it happening. But like I feel like that's a great mystery if like literally nobody could have figured this out. Oh, that's funny. I view mysteries as like you have just enough clues as the reader to be able to figure it out. And if you don't, then like screw you for wasting my time. Yeah, I, I go it. I do. I agree with you, Dana. Thank you. Yeah, like I read with intention to try to figure it out. 
like same, but I read it in knowing that I won't be able to figure it out until they tell me. No, I like, read it trying to figure it out the entire time, but I'm hoping that whatever the answer is, like I couldn't conceive of it. Like yeah. it's, it, it's a real twist. But that it was possible to conceive of it had you thought about it. Yes, like, like, I guess that in it was the dark. like a fair game. You know, it wasn't like yeah. some pers- character we've never met before, never heard of, exactly. came in in the middle of the night, killed her, exactly. moved, and exactly. thought it was someone else or whatever. But- Flicker in the Dark is like an example of like it. We would have been able to use our the context in front of us to figure it out. Yeah, yeah Claudia figured it shopping. out. Claudia said she knew immediately when she met the brother. I was like, yeah. What? I spoke to someone else who who knew immediately. She's like, I didn't even finish because I knew in five minutes who it was. What? <laughs> that, that's I know. Crazy. <laughs> I know. I completely agree. I was like, you're you're lying. <laughs> That's so crazy. That I feel crazy. like also the more thrillers you read, then you become like really shrewd and also very yes. jaded. But I don't read them that often. And every time I read Same. one, I'm like, oh my God, I should read more because they are pretty much always really sh- good, especially the ones that come highly recommended. They are recommended for a reason. Agreed. Okay, great. Well, I really liked the book too. I loved the setting. I loved how she like described Oxford and just like the way it made her feel going to college where it's like she doesn't she's not going to pretend to be someone that she's not but she has the opportunity to be anyone that she wants to be and like the person that she's always wanted to be I thought that was like just really cute and and how it does feel going to college especially when most people like I went to college with nobody from my high school like nobody knew me like it could have been anyone I wanted to be and that's like exciting you don't get that many opportunities in life so I, I liked the collegiate aspect I liked how April influenced her in a lot of positive ways, but then also she was just like a peer pressuring, annoying bitch. And mm-hmm. I, I don't stand for peer pressure. I think it's like so lame. Um, <laughs> it really bothers me. Uh, and I just, I, I really liked it. I thought the after parts, you know, where she, uh, one, the fact that she's like pregnant is just adds to the anxiety of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't love at times like her ways of investigating and also I felt like she kept saying the same things over and over sometimes to convince herself of something so for that reason like you know it wasn't perfect prose but I really liked the storyline I liked the plot and I liked how it solved itself at the end and I did not see it coming I so we'll talk about later like when you knew who it was but I think without further ado, we can get into the DBQs. How does that sound, ladies? Perfect. Sounds fabulous. Today's episode is brought to you by Pear Eyewear. The new year is a fresh opportunity to redefine who you are, but you have the freedom to experiment with how you express yourself all year. It's very much like in the It Girl. You go to college, you can redefine who you are. Who do you want to be? What kind of sunglasses do you want to wear? With the price of frames, it's no wonder most people stick to wearing the same glasses pretty much every day. With Pear, you can break up the monotony without breaking the bank. Choose from a range of iconic base shapes starting at just $60, including prescription. Then choose from hundreds of matching magnetic top frame designs that make it easy to switch up your look. Pear nose vision is essential, ain't that the truth? We've got a lot of prescription eye girlies in the redheads, and we have some, like myself, who require none, and Pear has something for all of us. We all got a pair of Pear eyewear frames, and we're just like the coolest girls on campus, I think. I don't know what you guys think, but I think we're just too cool for school. And beyond helping you craft a style that's yours, Pear does good also. For every pair you buy, Pear provides glasses to a child in need, which is awesome. Experiment with who you can be in 2023 with Pear. Go to PearEyewear.com slash redheads for 15% off your purchase. That's Pear, P-A-I-R, eyewear.com slash redheads. And redheads is spelled R-E-A-D-H-E-A-D-S. We've been loving our Pear Eyewear frames. You can get glasses, you can get sunglasses, and just be the coolest cat. Now, First question from the DBQs. The novel is told both in the present timeline and also in the past during that year in Oxford. How did the storytelling style add to the tension? Were you more engaged with one timeline over the other, Margot? Um, I was definitely more engaged, obviously, with the before. Like, mm-hmm. the after, I don't know. I just, like, it just, I found her, like, it annoying. Like, I like to, like, be there at the scene of the crime, so to say, as opposed to, like, aftermath. Um, but, yeah, no, obviously, like, we all know that's not my way of writing. But yeah. I was fine with it. I got past it also. Like, eventually yeah. I was, like, it's fine. And also I feel like, especially in a murder mystery, like, you have to build the tension as much as possible. And, like, there's no 
like the best way to do that is to, you know, cut someone off when they're starting to think something and go to a completely different place. So, yes, I agree. I was really into the before in the beginning, especially because like Hannah was into the before too. She was a whole different person with hopes and dreams. And then in the after, it's like a little depressing. But I definitely got to a point where I was more into the after because she was starting to get answers. And then we would go back to the before and like April's doing her play. I'm like, I literally don't care about her play. Like we have answers at after. So I think it kind of switched at a certain time. And also it ensured that I literally kept reading the next chapter and the next chapter and the next chapter because I was like, oh, okay, well, I want to know what happens before again. So I have to get through this chapter and I can get back to before. So I actually thought it, it compelled me to read faster. Totally agree. I was I was more connected to the before. And I think the setting has a lot to do with it. The college campus, like the description of Oxford, like I really connected with all of that. But I do like like it eventually kind of arrived at a convergence, which I thought was really like a f- great way to kind of like bring it all together. Um, and then, Jackie, I totally agree with you. It got to the point that I was like, OK, like this play is like done. Like we have like <laughs> new information. Like, let's get there. Yeah, totally. I didn't I didn't love how they spaced it out though. I feel like the past ended abruptly and then we had so much present. Like I kind of missed the flip-flopping. It felt like the total half end of the book was just present and I kind of missed the before. Well, but that's because it was. Like she died and then there was nothing else. I know, but I kind of like... wish she died later on in the oh, page count okay. so that it was like more even. Interesting analysis. Next question. What are your thoughts on Hannah as the main protagonist? I had no issue with her until Bex brought it up. But Bex, yeah, why don't I you dive no into issue. why don't you dive into why you hate, didn't like her? Hate. Hate. I did not appreciate how she mistreated herself and her body. Like it was really, really upsetting to me. Like I felt like she is an adult and she needs to be able to like get things under control at a certain point. And she was like so unable to do so. And I felt like she was just such a waif. Like, she was neither, like, here nor there. I feel like she, like, it's not like she wasn't scrupled. Like, she just, she didn't have, any, like, enough conviction. If she's going to be, like, a little, like, independent detective girly, then, like, actually go and do it. And, like, not get, like, scared halfway through and, like, bail and not finish conversations with people. Also, the fact that she, like, did not have conversations with Hugh until 10 years later about something that they both experienced together was insane to me. And, like, the fact that she didn't speak to, like, any of her friends again, I understand how traumatic it is, but I just could not get on board with her. She freaked me out. I kind of agree with what you're saying about her being, like, kind of wafy and not having, like, convictions. Yes. She was just sort of, like blah and I even wonder who she would have been if April hadn't died like who was she on track to be and and now we know who she is which is just like a person who's like kind of scared and haunted which to me made sense but I agree like you want to take this on you want to be six months pregnant and going around the UK like tracking people down and asking hard questions then like you need to be able to withstand that and also not at the expense of like your blood pressure and your baby. I did think ultimately like she needs to get these answers and then her blood pressure will come down. Otherwise she will have like a stressful pregnancy the whole time for four months more wondering if she sent the wrong person to jail. So I understood like, okay, it's going to be a little bit of pain just to like get to the end of the rainbow. But she didn't have like very good like compartmentalization skills and like just everything was affecting her baby. So it's like, okay, maybe we, maybe we'll table this. Correct. Like everything was like so, she was so overwhelmed by it and emotional about it and like hurt by it. I was like, I can't. Like you're like, you're not, you're not strong enough for this bitch. I'm sorry. Yeah. One small, like very random observation that I did like about her was she would go back and forth in her mind of like, oh, I really need to tell him right now, but it's hard. Like when she saw Ryan, she's like, okay, I have to tell Will right now, right now. And usually in books, they don't end up saying it out loud because it's, like, bad timing or, like, she didn't seize the moment. And she always did tell. Like, every time I thought she was going to withhold something from Will or, like, not say something because it was poor timing, she ended up doing it. And that was a little bit refreshing, whereas in most books, I feel like they don't do that. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, like, one last thing. for her coworker. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, she was True. always fucking skipping out on yes. work. Like... It ain't right. The last thing I'll say about Hannah sucking is her constantly thinking that she was seeing April to the point that she was like, <laughs> "There, that's actually April. Like, there is, a- there is April. Like, 
like mm-hmm. me as a reader, maybe it was a tactic to make me think that April actually lived, but I was like, there's no way that she's alive. Like they had like coroners there. Like they're so she's clearly dead and like it's just Hannah like overreacting again. Like she cannot get it under control. That I is did not also April. Think the twist was gonna be that like April survived it somehow yeah. when she also Rit is just like this is Rit's moral of the story. If your best friend dies, get over it. <laughs> get over it. If your best friend dies, make sure you know them for more than seven months, and that's your <laughs> ticket to not getting over it. Oh, my God. Okay, next question. It quickly becomes apparent that John Neville was not the killer. Who did you suspect primarily? Like, if you had to place a bet in the middle of the book, who would you have said was the killer and why? Will. Dr. Myers. Too. Yeah, Dr. Myers, especially because they really didn't date. It seemed like Hannah was missing it. Like his light was on when she came upstairs. Like they had a relationship. He's across. He's the only person who couldn't have left the building. Like they had some sort of relationship. She's pregnant. Like he's creepy. I'm like, die. Yeah. 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 I will say there were definitely like I didn't uh, exonerate John Neville immediately at all. I thought it was like the undoing where the most obvious person is the killer. Like up until the end, I thought it really could have been him. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I, I kept it as a possibility, but I figured it wasn't. But that also would have been like a good way. To yeah. end the book. A little more predictable, but like, and uh, too nice that, you know, she has no regrets now. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. At one point, Hugh has Hannah convinced that Will is the killer, and she even seeks his help, which of course results in our dramatic climax. The fact that Hannah briefly did think it was Will, is there more than meets the eye with Will, or was this simply a misdirection from the author to keep us, you know, on our toes? I mean, I mean, okay, like... His response was really fucking weird. Like, if he had just been like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, obviously not. Like, that would have solved all the problems. But he's like, haha, what do you think? Like, that was an extremely strange response to the whole situation, considering she was freaking out, like, the whole time, like, tweaking. Like, I don't know. But I honestly never thought there was anything wrong with Will. That was, like, the only thing that, for me, honestly seemed, like, out of character. Yes, but, like, imagine you're married to someone for, say, 10 years and you've, like, for 10, and, like, say you're actually, like, not the killer. And for 10 years you're, like, bonded over the fact that we've lost this person that we love and, like, you know, and then that person (laughs) accuses you of killing the person or you're, like, are you fucking joking? Like, that's a joke. But, like, not that that would be my reaction. He said, said, ha ha, what do you think? Same sentiment, though. Yeah, like, like, what do you think? No disbelief like you know not it wouldn't have been my reaction either but I don't think he realized like where Hannah was coming from and like when you put yourself in his shoes it's like that's that's funny really yes I just didn't like that her takeaway after was like for 10 years he lied for 10 years he lied it's like what about he murdered somebody (laughs) like she was so fixated on the lie and not the act of like killing her best friend yeah no I thought he was like a perfect gentleman pjom and then i was proved correct that he actually was no but there were some things where i was like it could she could just be so manipulated by him like she would be like so anxious and stressed out and then a hug from him and like she everything would absolve and it's like maybe he just like had her under his spell this whole Mm -hmm. time and like it was her coming out from under his spell to like look at him differently and so I don't know if there's something wrong or in their relationship where it's like she could think he was capable but like you have to consider everyone even you have to consider the fact that the person that you married is a monster okay and and he's not great we've ruled it out but like you have to consider it I also think they wrote she wrote the story wanting you to suspect Will like he was so quick to anger he was so against her searching for anything like yeah he was Following her after college, found where she lived, courted her, dated her, sent her endless correspondence. I'm like, yeah, now we know that he's just a really nice guy. But there's always that other side where you're like, why did he do all of that? Potentially a murderer. Yeah, that reminds me of a flicker in the dark. Like the way I felt about Will was the way I felt about, I think his name was Daniel, the boyfriend, where it's like he could either be the nicest boyfriend ever or a murderer. Exactly. (laughs) Turns out they're all just nice guys. (laughs) Yeah. Love that for them. So what are your thoughts about the ending overall? Did Hannah, Gotta talk about this. Did Hannah finally receive this. the closure she needs? Snitch, take it away. Did anyone find the ending so confusing? Like Which part? The shootout. How did Will not die? 
and Hugh died. That They never gave true clarity on that. It was like, all of a sudden, pop, there was a pop, and then there was a pop, pop, and then we're going on the way to the funeral, and she's like, Will should be next to me, and then it's like, you're at the funeral of Hugh Baba. And I'm like, how? He was the one who had the gun. I mean, she wanted you to think that. I literally was like, no, no, for no, no. Lorne that Will died. Of course you're supposed to think that Will died, and then he... They never explained how Will won the gunfight. So they, first they, of all, there's only one gun. So it wasn't a, a battle of guns. They're fighting over the guns. She heard a shot and then Will goes limp. So it makes you think like, but no, you could be the shooter and then be shook that you shot and go limp. <laughs> no, he got but shot. Like, oh, he yeah, and shot. he got shot. Wait. So th- how, how did he get shot? And then Hugh dies. He got shot. There was only one gun. Maybe he was shot before the final I think he shot. No, there was the bullets. No, there was a shot, and it went like over Hannah's ear, and then all of a sudden, shot. Will goes limp. Hugh dead. I think there were a series of bullets flying. It was dark. <laughs> they were tussling. Like it was chaos. I don't think they're meant to like be psychoanalyzed in terms of which arc the bullet took. I think it was just a literary device to like confuse you. And I was surprised at how devastated I was when I thought Will died. Like I didn't expect myself to be that. Yeah, because he's a literal precious gem of a man (laughs) and has done nothing wrong. No, but I like I understand that we don't need to know like every physical like the physics of where the bullet went and like the casing and blah blah. We just didn't get an explanation. Okay, but like maybe it was this counts. Like I think it was like Will went limp and then she like lost, you know, consciousness or remembering or whatever. So maybe it's like he went limp because he got shot, but he's limp and he's fighting for the gun. No, and it then was such he... a cop out because then when they're trying to explain it, she goes, both Will and I like both barely remember it because we were so out of fear. And it's like, that, that's not. He does do have that. a tendency to forget very traumatic events right before they happen. Like that's it's true. not, it's not fair to the reader. Didn't I didn't that's those that was my biggest my biggest by the um, way issue. why did she go to Hugh's funeral 100 yeah. percent couldn't I agree thought that more. was weird like he doesn't know his parents that well she felt she owed them like get out of there he tried to kill you and your baby literally push you off a cliff to your death yeah and he murdered your friend your best friend <laughs> and he your shot your fiance your husband yeah no I did not understand I know she was at the funeral so that they could have the aha moment of like the funeral of Hugh but like get yeah. out of there yeah, I do agree with that. But it was, I think, all worth it for that moment of realizing Will was not dead. Also, and she was like, I'm so scared to see the parents. Like, why? I would literally be like, you're so psychopath. it's inconsistent. Like, he's a psychopath, but he cares that much about Will that he's willing to kill his wife and unborn child so that she doesn't go to the police and testify against Will. It's not like Hugh would have gone to jail. They didn't have any evidence against him. No, no but opening the case back up would mm-hmm. have called in, like he got away with it and now she's trying. Yes, like I get not wanting the case to reopen, but there was a high chance that he still wouldn't have been convicted, Hugh. Yeah, that's true. I don't think he was doing it for Will. He was doing it for himself. He was doing it for himself, for sure. It wasn't I was about to Will. say that's an interesting conclusion because I never watched him kidnap Hannah and try to kill her as a way to stop her from reopening the case. I just thought, like, he is a loose cannon and, like, has, like, killer tendencies. And, like, yes, she was bringing it back up, but, like, who's to say that he wouldn't have killed her, like, another time? Maybe. Well, he said, I like, know. I told you it was Will who was the killer because I thought that would finally shut you up and stop opening the case because I thought, like, he was the one right. person you'd want to protect. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like if she had taken that route, then he wouldn't have killed her because he would have gotten his wish of, like, case not reopened. But I just don't know why the case reopening was so triggering for him. Like, I don't think he was Because he built this huge life. He's literally so one-track-minded on, like, being successful, making money, blah, blah, blah. And, like, this wench is going to come and ruin it for him. Death to her. Death to wench. Death to wench. Okay, well, now it's time for the redhead questions, and we've got a lot of questions from people because everyone is so invested in this book. I love this one so much, and it reminded me of A Flicker in the Dark, which was my favorite book last year, mainly because the book was amazing, but the ending felt a little flat for me. What did you think of the ending? I felt like there should have been more of a conversation between Will and Hannah about the fact that she literally thought he was a murderer, and he pretty much didn't deny it. Also, I thought it was so strange that he that the motive essentially came down to drugs. We have these two people who are frenemies, but really the murder was because of drugs. I don't know. That just felt odd to me. What did you think? I, I was actually satisfied with the explanation because like, if it was just like Hugh for like a reason of like, I don't know, he was jealous of like Will or just like whatever, like that wouldn't have made sense. But 
thinking back to like all like the little breadcrumbs of like that medical test and like when she was like oh mm-hmm. people can take p- take it for people all the time and then like her having the pills like I actually felt like there was a lot of little breadcrumbs that were like swept together in the explanation I agree and I feel like it wasn't about drugs she was just using that to get what she wanted but Mm -hmm. it was about the fact that April had the power to absolutely destroy the rest of his life and she kept wielding it over him and he had to make that end because he was so driven and psychotic about being successful yeah yeah Yeah. it was about blackmail not drugs and he also like fucking hated her yeah yeah Next, April's murder seemed well thought of, except for the fact that Hugh sent Hannah out to find help. What if someone came to the room immediately and he got caught? Wondering if the redhead saw any other plot holes or gaps in Hugh's story. Also, do you think he would have murdered April another way if April didn't want to prank Hannah? Or did he see an opportunity and take it? I think he saw an opportunity and he took it. Mm -hmm. And I also think, I mean, like, whenever, not that I know, but, like, whenever you're committing a murder, like, there's always a risk someone can come in or walk in or if you're in a forest someone's on a run like there's always that risk but also in knowing that I'm everyone who was like on the floor or whatever was at April's party I think he just wouldn't have done it had anything uh interfered with it I don't know if he would have then killed her at a later time, but agreed snitch is just like, this was his plan, and if it went awry, he would have reacted accordingly. Yeah, and it sounds like there weren't that many people that lived in their staircase, so even the people who lived below, like, they can't actually help. There's no one on the floor who mm-hmm. could have came and provided help. It did give him enough time for, like, kind of to find someone who could help police or also, medical help. not to mention that he probably shut the door. Like, who was going to come into this room? Yeah. No, I don't think he even needed to shut the door. Yeah, but I'm saying that, he, that no. Yeah, no, that didn't but, uh, that seemed like a plot hole to me. Like, that made sense. He, like, ran to April when he thought she was dead. And then he's literally sitting over her body while Hannah runs out. How long does it take to choke someone? It was a brilliant then, plan. Yeah. It was, no, no, also it was a brilliant <laughs> plan because then even in the flashback when, like, she was saying how, like, Hugh wouldn't let anyone near the body because – like, for evidence and DNA, I was like, oh, totally. Like, no one should go near the body. They have to swab for prints. Right. And so, like, all of it, like, made so much sense to me, obviously knowing that he was doing that because if Hannah saw the body again, she'd be like, those. And that's when that I changed my mind about unreliable narrator. I was like, someone maybe could have figured this out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And it's like, even if his prints were all over her, obviously, because he was giving her mouth to mouth, resuscitating mm-hmm. her, all that jazz. So it really all lines up. Oh, my God. Yeah, so true. I guess his prints were all over her. But that made sense based on Hannah's, you know, retelling of it that he was trying to bring her back to life. Instead, he was killing her. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Psycho. Brilliant. Brilliant yeah. psycho. Yes. <laughs> Why do you think the author decided to make the protagonist pregnant? She made it such a point in the book to discuss the medical issues and doctor's appointments throughout the book for there to be no baby at the end even. Also, did you find that because Hannah was pregnant that she was being kind of selfish in her actions of furthering her own investigation into April's murder? She was truly driving me crazy because she kept putting herself and her unborn baby in harm's way. Uh, The first question is a good question. Like, why did she have to be pregnant? It just made it like kind of uncomfortable. But I think it made the stakes so much higher. It's like the whole time it's like, is she carrying a murderer's baby? Even if you know, she could leave Will, whatever, but, like, the effects of the, of that would never, would, you know, be with her forever. So I think it, it raised the stakes, and there was always this underlying question of, like, is she carrying the child of a murderer? I also think that the lengths that she went to be a child investigator <laughs> or, like, an amateur investigator <laughs> while pregnant just, like, went to show how passionate she was about uncovering answers because it was clear what she was doing to her body. Like there was very tangible evidence that she was doing harm to herself and her unborn child, but she still persevered. So I think it was just a testament to like how invested she was in getting answers. Yeah. Did she have preeclampsia or what? No, she just had high blood pressure. She had high blood pressure because she was investigating her best friend's murder. Because she was under a lot of stress and someone was telling her that maybe she put the wrong man in prison. (laughs) But no, not preeclampsia. It's just that's usually a sign of preeclampsia, but it, it wasn't in this case. Next, my question is about the beginning of the book. Did you all feel as though the beginning was being dragged on a tiny bit? For example, the first few after chapters had been in the same in the terms of how Hannah was feeling about the news of John Neville's passing. Also, I felt as though 
April was more of a mean girl than the it girl. So do you wish the author gave more details into April's background or added more to make her more likable? Yeah, I like was when I was reading it, I was like, April's a bitch and like not a good friend, but like sometimes a good friend. But I don't know, like it wasn't like I was like felt like I didn't really have so much empathy towards April because like she was just like a mean girl. Yeah, but I feel like that's just more realistic. Like, no one is the perfect victim, as they say. Yeah. And she was a good friend and, like, could be, like, warm and and so charming, but then also, like, had a mean streak. Like, that's what girls can be like, especially girls like April who are it girls. Like, they're not just, Mm -hmm. like, benevolent queens. And they also needed to make her unlikable so that someone wanted to murder her. True. That's a good point. Yeah. I actually... I think that the it was slow when Hannah was like hemming and hawing over her feelings about John Neville. I was like, he died. Like you should feel a sigh of relief. And I, like I didn't, I didn't love that part before she got word that Neville might be innocent. I thought she was a little too in her head and in her feels about John Neville dying. I was yeah. like, like why do you care so much? Like this is a good thing for you. Like move on. Um, yeah, so that pissed me to... off. Yeah obviously because everything she does pisses me off um and I liked April honestly like I thought she was an interesting character I would have loved to learn more about her I don't think it was required for like the the pace of the story but I just like every time she was involved I felt like I was the most invested yeah it sounded like she had a hard family life that they didn't really explore like she came back from break and she she, it I would have liked to learn more but I agree right that it was not instrumental to the plot yeah, but I felt like they gave us en- enough, like, vignettes of her being actually, like, a really kind friend Yes, to Hannah and, and how we could see how this was Hannah's best friend and, like, such a, an influence on Hannah's life because she was really, like, this larger-than-life figure. And imagine Hannah, like, coming from her small town had never met anyone like her before. Okay, now it is time for – oh, last Redhead's question. Who do you think was the father of April's unborn baby? Ryan. I think Ryan. Ryan. I think Ryan too. I I feel like her and Will weren't even having sex because they were like barely talking. Ryan. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Now it is time for the moral of the story. What is the moral? My moral was live and let go. Trust your gut. Don't send innocent men to jail if you're not sure. (laughs) Well, she didn't say this man needs to go to jail. She just shared what she saw. I would say question everything. Ooh, good one. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, Counts, what's up? (laughs) The song. No, I know. Okay, now it's time for the Hollywood treatment. I would love to see this as like a miniseries. It reminds me a lot of Tell Me Lies. There's a murdered roommate. We're going back and forth between college and present day. And everyone's attractive. So I would... 100% 100% if this was like Redhead's Productions I would make this a mini series in a second so let's cast it who do you have as Hannah needs to be able to play her old and young just like in Tell Me Lies I have Leighton Meester oh, oh that's a good one mm-hmm. snitch I had Emma Watson oh that's good and it's good to have a British girly oh yeah Dana Anne Hathaway no, I can't. Couldn't play a college student. She could not. <laughs> I had Jenna Coleman. She played Victoria. Oh, love her so much. Love her so much. I think she'd be great. Then who did you have for April? Sydney Sweeney. I had Taylor Momsen. No, she's not cool enough. No offense. Yeah. Oh, she had like blonde. I also have Anna Sophia Robb. That's Better. good. Dana? They're similar to me. Claire Danes. Dana. <laughs> She's 18. <laughs> Maybe She's because 18. of like the short bob that she had in Exactly. Like, Rebecca, exactly. she's 18. <laughs> no, Jackie, by no means do I think that's an acceptable response, but I can only understand the short blonde bob. That's oh, what I my was God. thinking of. I had Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, that's a good one. Like, oh, that's good. Very skinny, bird like, pretty. And then for Will, this handsome guy. Chase Crawford, a.k.a. did the whole. Yeah, he um, just did Gossip Girl. 
literally. Which like I feel like that's was... so Dana of you. <laughs> I thought that was the opposite of Dana. I thought that was like crafty and like like strategic. No, Dana does that with um, Big Little Lies every single time. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised Shailene Woodley isn't playing April. Fuck Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley could play Hannah. <laughs> yeah, she could. Big oaf. <laughs> Snitch. Joe Alwyn. Perfect. So good. So good. He could play any of the British boys. Like, he could also play Hugh and, like, be so twisted. True. Dana. Ryan Reynolds. Why? Like, I feel you're like you making don't even try. Movie, you're making this movie, like, geriatric version. These people are in their 40s. They're in grad school. They're getting their PhD. <laughs> Literally. I had Nicholas Holt, British actor. Oh, he's good. But I feel Whatever. like he could be Hugh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now it is time for our overall rating of the It Girl. Snitch, we're going to start with you because it was a snitch's choice. I gave it a 4-3. Wow. Bex? I gave it a 3-8, and that was generous. Dana? <laughs> 3-7. Wow, Dana! you liked it I... more than Rebecca. Everyone just yeah. has different rating scales. It's a yeah, flawed system. Yeah. I'm giving it a 4-5. Because I'm always, like, really generous. And it was good. So the overall Redheads rating for the It Girl by Ruth Ware is a 4.075. That feels, feels right. right. Feels high. <laughs> feels low to no, me. No, if it wasn't going to be in the fours, I was going to be pissed. Because it is a four book. You guys are I was so like, I, savage. It feels I low to me. I wanted it to be under four, but it's like just enough of a four that I'm I'm good with it. No, you yeah. guys are so wrong. We're going to look back on this like at the end of the year and be like, I can't believe we rated it so low. I agree. <laughs> Literally, snitch. Like, it's so annoying. I'm telling the future now. Raise your fucking ratings. You guys, wait. Does anybody want to change theirs? No. Dana. No. I, I, Dana, you're the rating. one who blew it. Yeah, you blew and it. That's how I felt about it. I really three point seven is high for me. No, it's not. If, you to like get give... a four, you have to be really, 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 really good. I feel like you give out fives. Never. never. She's never. Not even to her favorite book in the world has she given a five. Oh, my bad. I give out fives a lot. Oh, fine. Jackie doles out five like it's no. I one's do. I'm good. like, I liked it. Five. <laughs> I'm like, I loved it. I'll too. raise mine to a four five. I, mine's a four or five. I can raise it. I'm going to raise it. Okay. I'm going to raise it. <gasps> oh, my God. Guys. Nepotism. Cheating. No, it just, Nepotism. like, it doesn't reflect the book. Like I agree. So you're four or five. You're three, seven. Oh, I'm going to change mine eight. to a three, one. <laughs> <laughs> you're not okay, allowed. Fine. We'll stick with the original rating. That's the redheads. Even though for the first time, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> it does not feel right at all. All. Especially considering we're sitting here talking about how much we all liked it, except for Rebecca. Yep. No, Dana, uh, this is all on you. So that makes it the 12th most popular. This is why we're so fucked up. That makes it the 12th most popular Redheads book that we've read so far. And That's I just wanted to know what number 10 is. Lessons in chemistry. We are the Brennans. Can you talk <laughs> about a more forgettable book? <laughs> You that book is do, so Jackie. forgettable. I know every single book in order that we've chosen for the Redheads, and that's the only time I stumble is We Are the Brennans because it was so fucking forgettable. Jackie. But I think that 12 out of 38 is is like a very good proportion. Yes. Yeah. I, I should re-rate everything maybe at the end of this year, like have a fresh sheet and like put in what we think today and see how it compares. But like that would mean I have to be required to remember everything that happened in the books and I don't, I don't, like, I don't even remember. Just you have, you have to rating. remember how it made you feel counts. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. Justice, this is a episode of injustice mm -hmm. uh let's get into the other books we read this month i'll go first because i did not read anything because i am so reading so slowly this biography that i'm reading and i don't know if i'll ever read another book again because i don't know if i'll ever finish it so who wants to go next i'll go, I'll next. go next because i didn't read anything either jack oh great oh well great um i read this series called um, To Love Jason Thorne. It's like, a, you know, one of my spicy books by the recommended to me by Claudia. And so good. And it was with a sequel called To Hate Adam Connor. And it was both so good. Loved it. 
couldn't recommend it more. Then I read The Love of My Life by Rosie Walsh. Um, and it was good. It was it was fine. I wasn't obsessed with it. And I think that's it. I feel like I I feel like I read more, but that's all I can remember at this moment. Got it. Snitch. Claudia was saying on the toast today that those books are called smut. Why are they called smut? I've never heard that. I call them spicy books. She said that the correct term is smut. I was wondering if you knew why. That's a horrible word for it, I think. I'll continue my investigation. Keep Dana. us posted. Maybe post a dictionary definition on the redheads. I will. Dana, what'd you read? How many books? I read three books. Um, the first was a Jackie wreck. Now is not the time to panic. By no, I did not recommend it. Told me to read it to see if I hated it as much as she did. Um, I gave it a 3.4. I didn't like it. Like it was a totally weird book, but it stuck with me after. I did find myself thinking about it days afterwards. So for that, I gave it a higher rate. But you liked it only 0.3 less than the It Girl? Uh, yes. Does that feel right to you? Yes. Okay. So, Danny, you didn't like the It Girl? No, I did like the It Girl, but like it wasn't a master literary piece that I could put in the force. It was just like a cute mystery that I enjoyed reading. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason, Snitch. The next was Fellowship Point. But it's like literally Al- like a, a scale. Like there should be rhyme <laughs> and reason. There is nothing in, underpinning my ratings. <laughs> she just throws it a dart at the board. But sheer whim. <laughs> um, next was Fellowship Point by Alice Elliott Dark. I gave it a 3.9. It was one of the most boring books I've ever read in my entire life. But it was so incredibly well written that I have to give it a high rating because it was just like a gorgeous piece to read. I loved every diction, every word, every syntax. It was amazing. And then I read Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. I gave it a 3.2. It should have been a book that I liked because it was very like butterfly effect, mystery, going back in time. One small thing can change the world, but it just wasn't um, that well written and there were some plot holes. So those were the three books. Great. Okay. I always feel like December is like our most I know it wasn't month, and it just wasn't. But you know what? Normalize December not being a big month for reading. Like who said it had totally. to be? I think January is going to be our month, ladies. I'm feeling it. Me too. I think so so what we will be reading in January is my next book choice. I have chosen The Magnificent Lives of Marjorie Post by Allison Pataki. It is about the magnificent lives of a woman named Marjorie Post, who I don't know, but this book has come highly recommended from Help Reads, and it's so my genre, like the story of a true woman doing amazing things. And Allison Pataki, I've read three of her books And I liked them a lot. I think she's a really strong author, but she does write in that way of like, it's not about the plot. It's just like, it's almost like a biography, but with a little bit of fiction because she's adding some sparkle to it. I'm excited. So excited. Yeah. I think I've heard great. A quintessential Jackie's choice. Uh, And I look forward to embarking on it with all of you. So thank you everyone who listened to the end of the episode. We are so excited for another great year of the Redheads. Thank you to the Redheads hosts, Becky, Dana, Snitch, for another wonderful episode of the Redheads and for your time and your commitment to reading. Thanks for having us as always. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for our, our fearless host, Jax. You nailed it. Thank you so much. And make sure to join the 66,000 people who are following us on Instagram at the Redheads, where we are posting premium content. And there you will never miss an announcement about scheduling, books, book suggestions, funny book content. We really kind of post it all. So head over there. We will see you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.